Good evening, everybody. Lovely to see you. Uh, again, a very warm welcome to HTC, particularly if you're here for the first time. It's really great that you're here. My name is Jamie Mulvaney, and I'm the Associate Minister for Discipleship, and it's, uh, it's great to be with you this evening. In Simon Sharma's rebirth of the landmark BBC2 series, Civilizations, he rather grandly begins the series by saying this. I've always felt at home in the past. For after all, what is the present except an endless chain of memories? Some of them are translated into stone. We are all the inheritors of those memories, and we look after them as best we can. All this so we can pass on their revelation to the future. In the cross, we find the ultimate revelation of God that we can find ourselves at home in. We find different people looking on at the, the sight of the cross. As we've been honoring women this, this past week, I think it's really important for us to note that in every single gospel, it's recorded that there were, were women at the scene of the crucifixion. We see Jesus' friends, we see his followers, we see Roman soldiers, we see the, the two men that are crucified beside him. And they see the cross from different angles, from different perspectives. And we are all invited to the scene of the cross. We are invited to make our home at Calvary. It's the center of our faith. We're invited to make our home at the cross and to pass on this revelation to the future. And that's what we're going to try to do over the next few Sundays in, in the lead up to Easter. We're going to look closely, to examine, to survey this wondrous cross. We're going to see how it affects every aspect of our life, past, present, and future. The cross is God's vision for your life and for my life, and we never move beyond it. So tonight, the first passage we're going to look at is uh, from Paul's letter to the church in Rome. So we're looking at Romans chapter 5, and there should be some uh, sheets at the end of your pews. And if you want to pass those along, that would, that would be great. Some of you are pre-prepared. Excellent. So let's read what Paul writes in chapter 5. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God 
demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Reconciliation. Reconciled to God. Peace with God. Closeness to God. That's what this passage is all about tonight. Some of us here tonight will know the, the pain of broken or, or strained relationships. We're all looking for closeness. But we don't just drift into closeness. I imagine it's why we've had so many people on the Lent Discipleship School this term, wanting to know Jesus better, wanting to know each other better. It's why people have been coming on Alpha. It's also, I imagine, why people have been, have been so many couples on the marriage preparation course, looking for a closer relationship. The digital world gives us the illusion of closeness, but actually relationship at a distance. And in our relationship with God, we can sometimes just sort of be like a, a Twitter follower, just sort of scrolling past God, taking notice from time to time. And at times we can, be, we can be looking for closeness or we can be afraid of closeness. Yet we were made for closeness with God. Right from the, the very first pages of the Bible, we see that it all goes wrong. That we lose this closeness with God. Yet our cravings, if we could get to the heart of them, are all for closeness with God. So how is that possible? How do we get that closeness with God? Well, right there in the, in the first verse of, of the passage, Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. This is more than just an emotion. It's more than just a feeling. Paul goes on to write about the, the peace of God, that sense of, of peace, of, of calm with him. And that comes as a result of peace with God, peace with God being our status, being our, our condition with God. Paul writes in verse 8 to 9 that Jesus died for us and that we've been justified by his blood, by his death on the cross. Why is this needed? Why did Jesus have to die? Well, in this passage, you and I are described in pretty stark terms. No offense, but in verse 6, we're described as powerless and ungodly. In verse 8, as sinners. In verse 9, as, as objects of God's wrath. And in verse 10, as God's enemies. It's quite the CV. 
On Good Friday, a, a few of the men in this congregation and I, we're going uh, down to Trafalgar Square where they're reenacting the, the crucifixion. And we're going to be uh, taking on the costume of the Roman soldiers. Um, and it's a little bit different to my usual vicar attire and role uh, to, to be an enemy of Jesus. Um, but even on the cross, we see Jesus forgiving those who are killing him. He changes our role from, from enemy to friend. And it's why Paul uses the, the terms reconciled, reconciliation, so often in this passage. It's, it's restoring a relationship that has been broken. It's Jesus clearing the way of all possible obstacles to closeness with God. And that's why we're using the, the cross and the heart interchangeably in our Easter design. Because the cross is the ultimate sign of God's love. In uh, verse 7, Paul writes, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's very easy to love the lovable, to love when it doesn't cost us anything. That doesn't require much love. But if you were to, to chart how much love is needed when the love costs the giver a huge amount, and when the recipient is not deserving of that love, that love is off the scale. God loves us completely. He loves us unconditionally and wholeheartedly. When we're being rude, when we're being grumpy, when we're being selfish. When we are at our worst, God loves us at his best. Radically vulnerable love. Loving us to the very depths of his love, to the complete cost of his indescribably precious life. And we see this in Jesus' life. We see him coming close to people, drawing alongside. We see sinners, people of, of doubtful reputation, having this magnetic pull towards Jesus. He includes people. He, he heals them. He sets them free. But we don't just see this in Jesus' life, but also in his death. He pays the price that's on our bank statement. He deals with the, the problem of sin that separates us from God once and for all. And he loses his relationship with the Father so that we might never need to know separation from God in our life and in our death. I heard about a wedding uh, where the couple uh, were, were big fans of Shakespeare and they'd asked for Sonnet 116 to be read. But instead of uh, Sonnet 116, uh, somebody, the person reading, actually read Sonnet 16. So instead of love is not love, which, alter, which alters when its alteration finds, they had make war upon this bloody tyrant. Um, <laughs> Instead of love, they were met with an atmosphere of hostility. And this is what Jesus does with us, doesn't he? 
He takes us from a place of, of hostility toward God to a place of love and closeness. From that hostility that we deserve. Radically vulnerable love. In verse 2, Paul says that we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And this word actually means to, to bring near. This goes beyond peace with God. It's, it's peace with God is, is the, the ending of a hostility with God. But justification is, is not merely the removal of a negative. It has a positive aspect too. Relationship. This is friendship with God. So we can now go to God continually, anytime, anywhere, with our requests, with our prayers, with our, our failures and our weaknesses. And he hears us and he relates to us. A few weeks ago, I was uh, leading the, the 9.30 service here at HDC. And um, because there's lots of moving parts in that service, I wear one of these very fancy uh, Britney microphones. And um, uh, I, I, I don't know how this happened, but by some sort of awful audio error, um, my, my microphone was, was patched through to the Thornton Chapel, to the creche, during all the hymns. Um, so whenever there was a hymn, uh, they could hear a live feed of my singing. <laughs> and and I, I quite like hymns. So um, sometimes they would have had a very full-throated baritone, and at other times they probably only got every other third word, and even then it was probably off-key. I would like to unequivocally apologize to anyone who is in that room, uh, parent or child. Uh, they did not ask, nor did they seek such access. This, we get access to God, though, anytime, anywhere. And this access cost God everything. He will not condone your sin, but neither will he condemn you. He wants to be close to you. So let's not be casual about this access that we have to God. So often we can not really dial in to not make the most of the closeness that we have with Jesus. But when we look at the cross, we see how costly this access has been for Jesus. We don't get closeness to God through good works, through yoga, through music. We get close to God through what Jesus has already done on the cross. This is the ministry of Jesus. The ministry of Jesus is all around closeness to God. And in this passage too, we also see the ministry of the Holy Spirit. On the cross, we see God's love planted in time and space, literally staked into the ground of Calvary. We see the objective love of God. And by the Holy Spirit, we can experience this love subjectively too. God's love isn't just planted, but it's poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The Christian life is not one continual ecstatic experience. At least it's not in, in my experience. But the, the peace with God that Jesus achieved for us on the cross 
means that we can experience the peace of God, that we can know the, the love in our hearts, not just objectively, but subjectively. We all need to experience love. It's the deepest human need, and it's the deepest human emotion. Everyone needs to experience love in their life. And on the cross, we understand God's love for us, the objective love of the fact that he died for you and me. If you were the only person on this planet, he would have come and died for you. But through the Holy Spirit, you can, you can feel God's love, to, to, to feel that closeness with God. I love Charlie Mackesy's depictions of the prodigal son. This son that Jesus talks about, this son that has turned his back on his father, he's broken the relationship with his father, he has squandered everything. But that word prodigal really describes the father. The father is prodigal. He is radically extravagant. He spends everything. He spends his love on his son. He runs after him while he is still far off and enfolds him in his love, in his arms. Do you see again God loving us at his best when we're at our worst? And this is what we're doing when we pray for the Holy Spirit to be at work in us today. Of course, the, the Holy Spirit is already here. He's in you if you believe in Jesus. We see in, in verse 5 that the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. But we are praying to be drawn deeper and deeper into the embrace between the, the Father and the Son. To know that love. To feel the, the closest possible relationship with God. Can you get any closer than God's love being poured into your heart. It's the desire of the Father. It's what Jesus achieved for us on the cross. And it's what the Holy Spirit ministers to us today. That access to God in that was previously the preserve of the, of the high priest in the Holy of Holies in the temple of Jerusalem. That has been burst open. So you no longer need somebody else to go to God for you. But you are the temple. You no longer have to go to the temple. You are the temple. And you may not feel like much of a temple. But just have a look at the context for this in, in verse 3. Paul writes that we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. So we see this, this chain reaction, this reaction of, of suffering, suffering that we persevere through, and our character is tested, and we know hope. God enters the mess of our lives and gives us that anchor of hope behind the veil of the, of the temple curtain. Just after, I, um, just after I got ordained, I 
got this illness, and um, it was it was a very hard time. And, and what uh, began as a, a raging sore throat actually turned into chronic fatigue, and uh, I pretty much couldn't do anything at all. And um, it was a time of, of stripping away. My, my health was taken from me. Um, I couldn't work, so my, my work was taken from me. And I, I didn't really have energy to, to see most of my friends. So, so in a way, my friends were taken from me too. But the, the one thing that wasn't taken from me was the, the sense of God's love that he was close to me in my worst moments, that I could experience his love personally for me to a new level, to a deeper level. And amidst uh, pain, amidst confusion, I still had this anchor of hope, that I was held and that I was loved. And I, I wouldn't have ever asked for the suffering. But I also wouldn't trade the intimacy with Jesus too. And that's what we find in suffering, don't we? The, we're not masochists. We don't go searching for suffering. But in suffering, we learn to not picture God on some sort of celestial deck chair, but on a rugged cross. Jesus doesn't skate over our sin, just as we've been looking at. But he also doesn't skate over our suffering too. He enters our pain. He takes on our suffering. And we know that faith is true when it's tested. And and that character part of that chain reaction, that, that character that is formed in us through suffering, is the character of Christ. So whatever you're going through at the moment, you can know this hope. Just as, as Paul writes over and over about uh, peace and about reconciliation being our condition with God, Paul also writes about this hope. And hope is our confidence in God. Does your soul have an anchor? Do you know this hope? Do you know this hope deep down in your soul? Do you have the hope and the knowledge of what Jesus has done for you on the cross and to know the experience of his love for you personally? So that whatever storms of life may come, you're, you're secure, you're fine. There are so many things that you and I are un, unsure about. But if we've put our faith in Jesus, we never have to be unsure about the access that we have to God. We never have to be unsure about God's love for us. And we never have to be unsure that our sin has been paid for. In this reconciled relationship with God, we find comfort and we find closeness 
and we find confidence because we find out who we really are. No longer enemies, but friends. No longer enemies, but sons and daughters of the living God. No longer distant, but the very place where God chooses to make his presence felt in the world. And we see this on the day of Pentecost. After Jesus has has died and risen and, and ascended to heaven, we see God's Holy Spirit being poured out on his followers. And they have a new confidence. Peter is no longer running away, denying Jesus. He has confidence. He has a bold hope in what Jesus has done for him. And we see him speaking and and acting in a way that draws people to experience this love for themselves. Jesus died on the cross. So everyone around us, everyone in our home, in our community, in our workplaces, they might hear about this grace that they need just as much as you and I do. Have you ever heard people say, um, when talking about someone, well, God would have to do a pretty major work in their life. God already has. He has done the work in his death on the cross. He has traversed the huge divide. And he wants to, by his Holy Spirit, reveal the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And to, to pour his love into their hearts too. God is closer than you think. And just as we see the the words describing closeness and hope over and over in this passage, we also see the word rejoice, rejoice or, or boast over and over. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We boast. Boasting seems like an odd word. You boast to let others know. Normally, how great you are. But here in this passage, we see that we're boasting to let others know how great God's love is. The Westminster Confession of Faith says that your chief end and that my chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Ultimately, your life and my life boils down to this. Do you enjoy your closeness with God. Make the most of this overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Enjoy his presence and watch yourself overflowing and glorifying Jesus. Amen.